what's up guys you're now listening to devo with uncle theo today is day 48 and today we're going to cover numbers chapter 10 and 11. so remember we have israel going from one man to about 70 when they entered egypt to now being a great nation of about two to three million and god has given them their marching orders he's given them instructions on how to move from mount sinai and that's what's about to happen here in chapter 10 they're about to move from mount sinai he's taught them their purpose he's taught them their language and he's taught them how to have his presence and so what we're going to see in chapter 10 and moving orderly it's so many people that you can't yell so god is going to introduce trumpets to be able to signal certain things within the camp. And so let's look at some of those signals of the trumpets. The Lord, this is verse one, the Lord spoke further to Moses saying, make yourself two trumpets of silver, of hammered work. You shall make them and you shall use them for summoning the congregation for having the camp set out. When both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the doorway of the tent of meeting. If only one is blown, then the leaders and the heads of the division of Israel shall assemble before you. But when you blow an alarm, the camps that are pitched on the east side, remember that's Judah, your leaders, shall set out. When you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are pitched on the south side shall set out. And so we got different signals from the trumpets, whether you blow one, whether you blow another, or whether you blow an alarm signal, and let's keep reading. Now we see who does this. Verse eight, the priestly sons of Aaron, moreover, shall blow the trumpets. And this shall be for you a perpetual statute for your generations. Verse nine, when you go to war in your land against the adversary who attacks you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets that you may be remembered before the Lord, your God, and be saved from your enemies. Also in the day of your gladness, and in your appointed feasts and on your first days and your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. And they shall be a reminder for you before the Lord. I am the Lord, your God. So what we have here first in verse nine, we saw if you're going to war and someone attacks you, then you blow the sound of an alarm with the trumpets and you will be remembered by the Lord, your God. So remember, God is in the center. And it's like alerting him that adversaries are coming. And this is pretty interesting because God is omniscient. So he knows they're coming, but he's teaching, but he's teaching Israel how to operate with him in their midst. And he always wants them to remember their name, which is Israel. God fights for you. And so God is a God who fights for them. We saw this in Exodus when he fought Amalek. And when Moses' hands were held up and supported, they won. But when they were lowered, they were losing. And so you have this same principle here that God fights for his people, even in the midst of them being a great nation. So we look in verse 11, and also it says that the trumpet is to be blown to call the people to worship as well. So not only for war, the trumpet should be used for worship, whether it's the first day of the month one of the appointed feasts that we talked about here previously in Leviticus. And it says for their offerings, but let's journey into verse 11. It says now in the second year, in the second month of the 20th of the month, the cloud was lifted over the tabernacle of the testimony. Remember, we talked about this yesterday, that if the cloud is lifted, that's Israel's command to depart, to get up and move away from their camp. 
And so this happens and they're obedient. Look at verse 12. And the sons of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Sinai. So they're on the move. They're headed to the promised land. And this is our verse that marks it. You get a list of the tribes and the leaders and even the Levites. As you see in verse 21, the Kohathites set out carrying the holy objects and the tabernacle was set up before their arrival. So remember, they can't carry the tabernacle on carts with an oxen. They have to carry this on their shoulders. Before they leave, Moses asked his brother-in-law to come with them. And he says he won't come. He says, I need your help because you're a man of the wilderness. You're from Midian and you know how to move in the wilderness. And I need to lean on you and use your wisdom. And now we see Moses growing as a leader because remember, Jethro, his father-in-law had to teach him how to delegate. And now Moses is learning how to depend on the wisdom of other men who specialize in certain areas or may have certain experience in other areas to be able to help him. And we end chapter 10 with verse 35, it says, and it came out when the ark set out that Moses says, rise up, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered and let those who hate you flee before you. And when it came to rest, he said, return, O Lord, to the myriad thousands of Israel. So chapter 11, this is very important. Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned amongst them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. The people therefore cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died out. So the name of their place was called Terborah because the fire of the Lord burned amongst them. But look at this, verse four, the rabble who were among them had greedy desires and also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? Remember this rabble, we talked about this in Exodus. Some of the people who trust in Yahweh when he destroyed Egypt came along with them and this rabble is going to be influential at times. Negatively, we know that Paul tells us in the New Testament, bad company corrupts good morals and we'll see that here. So it's not always the rabble, but they're an influencing factor in a lot of the cases. And we see that even here, look at them. The rabble who were among them had greedy desires. And also the sons of Israel wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish, which we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our appetite is gone. And look at what they say. There is nothing at all to look at except this manna. So you got to hear what they're saying. They're saying we had fish, we had cucumbers, we had onions where we were, but all we got now is miracle bread, bread that rains down from heaven miraculously. And that always makes me laugh when I hear them say, man, we don't have anything but miracle food. So this is the complaint, verse 10. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses was displeased. So it just starts to wear off on Moses. Now Moses starts to complain, verse 11. And Moses says to the Lord, why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight? And you have laid this burden of all this people on me. Was it I who conceived all this people? Was it I who brought them forth? And you shall say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers. 
Where am I to get meat to give all this people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. And Moses basically says, if you're going to deal with me like this, I want to die. God kill me. And and we got to give him a break because we know what he's dealing with and how many people he has to lead. But I want us to close out by listening to God's solution. Look at what he does because he teaches us the doctrine of regeneration. This is God's answer starting in verse 16. The Lord therefore said to Moses, gather for me 70 men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers and bring them to the tent of meeting and I will let them take their stand there. I will then come down, listen to this, and speak with you there, and I will take of the spirit who is upon you, and I will put him on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you so that you will not bear it alone. And so God gives a solution. He fills 70 men with the spirit, and let's look at what comes out of this. But God also is going to render judgment. God is doing two things at once. He's providing a solution, and he's rendering judgment. So look at the judgment, verse 19. And the Lord says, I'm going to give you this meat, but you're not going to eat it. Not one, nor two, nor five, nor 10, nor 20, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. Here, you see the ironic retaliation there. They're saying that the miracle bread is loathsome, what God gave them in his compassion and kindness. And he's going to give them what they want so much to the point where it's loathsome. And usually just a note to the fulfillment of worldly things. This is usually what happens to all worldly things. Uh, the people who obtain it at the highest level are never fulfilled. And even to the point where it becomes loathsome, which is why you see so many suicides amongst people who get the most self-gratification. Or you even see this amongst athletes. We just recently had a Super Bowl immediately. When somebody wins one, guess what they're saying? Repeat, we got to get another one because it's not gratifying because God has placed eternity in the heart of man and man will never feel satisfied until they're satisfied in God. And God answers Moses, and this is a hallmark verse, he says in verse 23, the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's power limited? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. And some translation says, it, it uses an anthropomorphism. It says, is the arm of the Lord short? And that's what it's getting at there. Is God's power limited? Because Moses questioned whether God could actually provide for two to three million people. He uses the terms 600,000 men, which he's estimating the fighting men. And God tells him, he says, is my arm too short? Is there anything too hard for me? There's nothing impossible for the Lord. So the Lord shows them this and look at what he does verse 25 then the lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him and he took the spirit who was upon him moses and placed him on the 70 elders and when the spirit rested on them they prophesied but they did not do it again and so we see the doctrine of the trinity forming even more we knew that there was two because we could see yahweh in heaven and yahweh on earth we saw that in sodom and gomorrah and we saw that in chapter 14 at the parting of the sea. But now we're starting to see three. We see God in heaven. We see God on earth. And we see the spirit coming upon people. The spirit that was on Moses will be on you. And so this is an incipient phase of the doctrine of, of the Trinity being formalized. And 
We want to grow that doctrine as we keep reading through Scripture. But look at Moses' theology when the Spirit comes upon these men. Joshua, his apprentice, comes up to him and says, Moses, my Lord, restrain them. Like, stop this from happening. These people are still prophesying in the camp. But Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people be prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And then Moses returned to the camp, both he and the elders of Israel. And so Moses gets it. He says, look, I get it. This, what happened to me, needs to happen to everybody. In order for us to obey the Lord, we need the spirit of the Lord. So Moses says, I wish that this would be upon everybody. And so that's a prophetic word by Moses because that's what needs to happen in order for mankind to be saved. We need the sacrificial system. And because of the sacrificial system, the person that can fulfill that can give the outpouring of the spirit to whom he wills. So Moses gives us the answer to what is needed to get us back to rest, to get us back to Eden. And we have to see that. We have to grab that. But remember, God is doing two things. He's judging the people as well. And it happens in verse 31. Now wind from the Lord brought quail from the sea and let them fall beside the camp. And so these quail are just fluttering close to the ground where you could just take your rod or your stick and whack them and kill them. It's God brought this miracle for. But look at what happens in verse 33. While the meat was still between their teeth before it was chewed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people. And the Lord struck the people with a very severe plague. And the name of that place was called Kirbra Hatava, because they were buried with the people who had been greedy. And so there you have it, guys. We knew that there was cracks in the infrastructure all along. And we thought what God did at Exodus 32, where he revealed his great name and he forgave them with the golden calf incident may have corrected this. But we find out quickly that it didn't. You see a lot of complaining and he has the deal with the complainers, the grumbling, the greediness, the selfishness, and the doubt, because that is antichrist. God has built them to be a people of faith. And so when you're not a people of faith and you're a people of doubt, that's antichrist, which simply means anti means against Christ. Don't hear me saying the antichrist was in their midst, but anytime you're doing something against what Christ has taught, that's Antichrist, and that's what these people are exhibiting here. The rabble is in their midst, and basically from chapters 11 on to 25, we're about to see a downward spiral from leaders on down, and it gets sad. So stay tuned as we cover the rest of the chapters, and may we learn which examples to follow in from Israel and which examples not to follow in. So Israel will give us both. They'll give us who we need to become, and they'll give us who we don't need to become. And let's make sure we categorize those properly and worship God with the instruction he's given us, just like he told us to in Romans 15, 4. Use the Old Testament scriptures for your growth, your encouragement, and your instruction. Talk to you later, guys.